Well, we get that from anybody, right? And I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight. And as you can tell, I'm not Pastor Goodluck. It's obvious, as we know. But uh, we need to be praying for our pastor and Angela as uh, they get some R&R, some rest and relaxation, and having some time together to be away. And we need to pray for them. That uh, I chatted with him a little bit today, and he said that, uh, I said, well, I hope you're relaxing and having fun. And he said, yes, I am. And we are. So we need to remember them. They'll be coming back so that God will give them traveling mercies back also. Another group, another couple is going to be heading back. They'll be leaving about 3.30 in the morning of Texas time here from Italy coming back, and that's bread and uh, hope. So we need to keep them in our prayers. And also, they said, pray that when they get to Newark, they'll go to the right terminal. <laughs> From what I understand, there's two terminals in Newark. One of them processes you quickly, and the other one processes you at quite lengthy. Okay? And so they were wanting to go to the one that processes them easily and quickly so that they can get themselves back here. And we've been missing them. They've been away for a while. So it's been good. And uh, uh, trust the Lord. Let me get my, I'm going to do something, I tried doing this once before, and that's using the new technology. I'm so young that uh, technology, I've tried to keep up with technology because in the business that I'm in, in the telecommunication business, my secular work, I deal with a lot of it and with emotions, so I've tried to stay up on it, and I got a, an iPad, the first iPad I got. I couldn't get the Word documents to go to my iPad and store on it, so it was worthless to me, so I gave it to my wife. And so finally they got it to where I can put things on it, got a little jump drives that you can use to get it on there now, so it made it a little bit easier, so I'm going to try to uh, use this, but I got my paper back up just in case. Uh, but pastor's been, taking, been talking to us on Wednesday night about the, spirits, uh, the gifts of the Spirit, how the gifts of the Spirit speaks, and I don't know about you, but I was talking to him Thursday night when we were, uh, this past Thursday night when we were going down for prison ministry. I told him, I said, man, that what you preached on Wednesday night was so fantastic and it was so uh, enlightening because it, uh, I don't know if you realize it or not, but there's not a lot of people that teach that kind of depth into the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and, and the, the gifts that come with the Holy Spirit. And I want, I, I recognize it, but I want you to recognize that you have some of the best solid core teaching that I have ever heard. And I've been in the ministry a long time. And so I'm, I, I, I'm in, I enjoy hearing that. And uh, it was just seen tonight, though, as the music was going, it talks about all the promises are yes and amen, and all of the, the goodnesses of the Lord and how His promises are real and how His promises are good to us and, and all the things that God has for us just kind of dovetailed into exactly what I wanted to talk to you about tonight. Because I think this one thing that we talk about it, we talk about it, we talk about it. But there are many obstacles and things in our lives that get in the way of what God really wants to do in our own individual lives. I heard the word corporately. Uh, Bill was talking about tonight. We can corporately, we'll say yes, yes, yes to a lot of things. But a lot of times when our arm goes up, yes, 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 we know that they're with, a, with that little bit of yes, I'm trusting God, yes, I'm trusting God, yes, I'm trusting God. But there's something on the inside of us that, that, that's just saying, but I just can't, why can't I make it there? I just don't seem to be able to make it to that point. And as I've been in, in pastoring over the years, I've watched people that people always want to show their good side. 
You ever, even people on taking a picture, you just, uh, take this side because this is my good side. One of my daughters does that. She says, take because she's got tooth missing in one side. and she smiles, you see the gap in her tooth, right? So she wants to take it on the right side so she can see. We want people to see and we want to people to think that we're on the top of the world. Just flying high. We don't have a problem in the world. All of us realize that we live in life. We live life. Life has its problems. Life has its circumstances and things. And these things that, that, that I would like to talk to you about, they were given a terminology of one place in, in mainland Scripture that Paul talks about it, but he calls it strongholds. And a lot of people don't like to talk about strongholds because of the mis- I think a lot of times the misconception of what strongholds really are. Because they don't want to think they don't think that a Christian has a, has you know has any kind of problems with with strongholds, and I think the reason he used the word stronghold was because the people that he were talking to the Corinthians knew what he was talking about, and he was talking to them about pulling down strongholds, pulling down strongholds. We have to realize that we don't live in the same time in the same era and with the same knowledge and the same things that they dealt with, and they had a history that they had to deal with. So I'd like for us to look the story that very that all of you are very com- you know a whole lot about and heard many 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 times. But I hope that I can just share a little bit with you. I'd like for you to go to the book of Numbers, chapter thirteen, and we're going to read just a few scriptures in there. But it basically the story about the children of Israel has been brought out of Egypt. They come all the way. They come all the way, and now they're standing ready to go into the to the promised land that God is that God has given to them. And Moses says, okay, we need to know what's going on. Let's go spy out the land. So you know the story. They go into, they go into the, go across, they go in and they spy the land and then they come back. Well, when they get ready to spy the land, if you look in verse 17, it says, then Moses sent the spy out the land to, out to the land of Canaan. And he said to them, go up this way into the south. And go up to the mountains and see what the land is like. Whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak, few or many. Whether the land they dwell in is good or bad. And whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds. Strongholds. We see the word stronghold. A stronghold is a place of fortification. It's something we know that they had great walls. They went in and they came and they spied the land. They came back with their reports. But they talked about not just an encampment, which is a lot of, you got to realize, they've been living like nomads ever since they left Egypt, right? And all of a sudden, here they'll be. But then they're saying, what is it in this land? Well, they said, well, these, these strongholds are there. See if there are any strongholds. Now, the report comes back in verses 27 and 28, and it says, and, and then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us, and it was truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, okay, doubt. Okay? Nevertheless, it's great. It's exactly what the Lord said. He said it would be flowing with milk and honey. He is all there to do it. But nonetheless, the people who dwell there in the land are strong. The cities are fortified or strongholds and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, the giants. We saw these big, huge people. Now, you can imagine a little Jewish boy 
by, by stature, they're short people anyway. Looking at nine foot tall, some people said they even went above ten. They said Goliath was nine foot six inches tall, but there are many, many of them they say that was even taller than him. So we're talking about something great, but yet they said their things are fortified. But what happens is the children of Israel lost sight of one thing. God said, the land is yours. Doesn't matter what kind of cities they have. It doesn't matter whether they got walls around them, whether it's a stronghold, whether they got mighty armies, or they don't have mighty armies. It doesn't matter. God said, it is yours. Take it. Just as we sang tonight, all of God's promises are yes and amen. But we have to believe that yes and amen. Now, I like to look at the percentages. I'm a numbers person. There was 12 went, 12 spies, 2, Caleb, Joshua and Caleb, were positive. The other 10 were negative. So we have faithless and faithful. <laughs> one that believes in God, and he said we can go and we can take it, and the ones that's not. Well, that tells me that all of a sudden, all of the same people, all of these people, all that were there, 3 million, 5 million, take your choice of how many people they were. If you take the cross-section of the people based upon these men going forth, then that meant that 10 out of 12 or 10 out of 12 were against this. That's a pretty high percentage, well above, above 80%, right? Because if it was 10 and 2, be, you know, 20% would be 80%. Well, this means that a lot of people, and they begin to talk and murmur, talk, and it just got worse and worse. The more they talked about it, the worse it got. And it got to the point where God was going to strike them down. But Moses interceded. So what happened? They had to go back in and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And then a new generation came up. And it was a new generation that had the courage to step in and step to go. But the fact is, is when they went 40 years later, God performed exactly what he would have performed 40 years before, but yet they were not able to do it. Why? Because they did not have the faith or the trust to be able to trust God in the circumstances that they were going to be in. And that's the same thing that, that these people in, in the Corinth church were going through situations and going through problems, and, and Paul was trying to tell them that there are strongholds. He was talking to the Christian people in, in, in Corinth. He said, there are strongholds. There are, there are things in your life that are, that, are, that are fortified. There are things in you that have been fortified, and Satan has fortified those things inside of you so that you cannot battle against that fortified things in your own. And so if you look in 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verses 3, and 3 through 5, we have this Paul saying, For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds. Pulling down a stronghold. In other words, we're not fighting flesh and blood. How many of you fight flesh and blood battles every day? I don't know about you, but Sometimes I can get a phone call from a family member and their flesh on the other end. 
And all of a sudden, the problems of life begin to share. Uh-oh, we're getting these gouges on each side over here. Okay, so let's have these problems. Okay, anyway, we see that this situation happens many times in our lives to when things happen in life because it is life. And these things begin to get inside of us, and we, they get bigger and they get bigger. Satan keeps making them bigger and bigger and fortifying and fortifying, and it gets to the point to where you don't think that you can take on any more because he has taken that opportunity. But it says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's a lot of words But basically what he's trying to say is the biggest battle that we fight is in our minds. The biggest battle that we fight are between our two ears. Now a lot of people say, well, there's not a lot up there, so there's not much of a battle. Sometimes the less we have up there, I think sometimes, the easier the battles would be to fight because we wouldn't have to be fighting our minds all of the time. And this mind is, I like to call it the devil's workshop in the sense that that's where he works is in our minds. He works there and God is trying to compete with our spirit, our spirit heart inside of him through the Holy Spirit that's dwelling inside of us trying to be, and it says that this conflict between man's flesh and and the spirit of God is in constant conflict with one another trying to discern, trying to decide which one is going to win the battle. And it is a battle in life. I preached a message one time years ago that talked about it. It says, how do you you run an overcoming life? How do you make it to an overcoming life? I said, it all depends on who's winning. Is your spirit today prayed up, ready to go? Are you fired up with all the things that God has for you? And right now you're walking about three inches off the ground because God has been so good. You've been in His Word. You've seen His Word. You've seen His promises. You begin to praise Him. You begin to thank Him. You worship Him. And you pray mightily with Him. And all of a sudden, every problem in your life just seems to disappear. Why? Because our spiritual life is here. And all of a sudden... That problem is down here. And from the high elevation, when you begin to look down, where's the best place to fight a battle from? The high position. The high position is the place to where we fight our battles from. We don't fight from the valleys. We fight from mountaintops. When you take people, when they wish to build the castles, these fortresses that they do, they put them up on the hillside. Why? Because of getting up the hill and working and being able to go down. How many of you as a child ever played king in the mountain? I guess we only played that in the south. Okay. King of the mountain, no matter, it doesn't matter where it showed up. If a pile of dirt showed up somewhere in the neighborhood, it was time to play king of the mountain. And king of the mountain was, you got on top, one person was the king, and he stood on top of the mountain, and everybody else tried to push him off the mountain. It didn't matter if it was two guys, one guy, two guys, three guys, whoever it was, would try to come up behind him while one was coming in front of him and try to grab him and throw him back down the hill. You don't think, you would think that two or three guys could overcome that person on the top of the hill very easy. But the thing about it is he had all the momentum. All he had to do was push you, get you off balance, and down the hill you go. 
somebody come up behind him, he just kind of shove you back, you lose your balance, and down the hill you go. Because it's hard to, to overcome something if the person is above you and you're trying to get up to them. Well, it's the same way. If we keep our lives to the point that we're walking up here, then when we keep Satan under our feet down below where we are, we're able to overcome those situations that happen in our lives. Now, we trust God. We say we trust God with all of our circumstances, with all of our trials. But we have to understand, well, what is a stronghold? What is it? Because there's a lot of people that think strongholds, when they think about a stronghold, they think about some demonic uh, thing that's coming into the life. I'm not saying it couldn't be. It could be. But there's a lot of things. I, I, I don't think a lot of times people are dealing with that. I, I, but, but these strongholds, when we look at them, we try to figure out what they are. Well, you know, Paul tells you right here what it is. It says a stronghold is an argument or a pretense, a lie, if you want to call it that. Let's call it what it is. It's, a, it's an argument that Satan has set up that, that goes against the knowledge of God or goes against what God's Word says. If God's Word, we said it tonight, if God's promises are yes and amen, and He said that whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe that you shall have them, you shall have them. He said, you know, he said, I own the cattle of a thousand hills. He said, what's, he's above all things. I wish you'd prosper and be in good health. He always wants these things. So it doesn't matter what that circumstance is in your life. Some of the circumstances we get could be something as simple, as simple as financial. We get up here this morning, we make a proclamation about all our finances and so forth. But people many times are held in, held in bondage. They have a stronghold. They haven't, as Pastor Goodluck says, they haven't taken their wallet and got it saved yet. Because that's the stronghold in their life to be able to turn loose and let and trust God. And sometimes we're forced into trusting God because we have no other means by which to do something. And because of that, many people grow. Why? They grow through the fire because they didn't on their own defeat the problem that was there. Okay? Now, a stronghold is anything that exalts itself in our minds pretending Realize that what Satan puts in our minds is a pretense. It is a lie. I think I talked to you when I talked to you on Sunday once before. I talked about what, what was a lie and what's the truth and what's a lie. But in case you were here, if, if, if you talk about what the truth is and what is a lie, there's a big deception thing around it because people think that everything is black and white. Well, it is in God's eyes, black and white, good and evil, hot and cold, you know, light and dark. Evil and righteous, uh, evil and good. No, they're one or the other. But when you really look at it in the, in the sense of the word, Satan takes truth and makes lies out of them. And I used to say, if this over here is the truth, this is the absolute truth in the Word of God. There is nothing error in it. It is exactly what God says. It's a promise, and it's yes, it's amen, and it's right here. That's what God's Word says. And then over here, we take, on this side over here, we take this one and say, this is sin. This is a lie. This over here is as far from the truth as you can get. This is a lie. That's pl- pretty much black and white. There's the truth. Here's the lie. But the thing about it is Satan doesn't always work because it's too obvious if you're over here and you see the obviousness of what it is that it's wrong. But what happens if Satan takes part of the truth, but the truth being right here, he gives you something right here in your life. It's not black, but it's not white. What is it? 
People say that's a compromise. God doesn't compromise. He is, and He always will be, okay? He doesn't have to compromise. So if this is the truth here, this is a lie. It may not be all of a lie, but it's not all of the truth. And many people get hung up in this area here and can't get past this, and they begin to walk their lives here, here, bouncing back and forth here, versus here. Jesus, God said in the Word, I'd rather you be here or here than to be here. Now, that's pretty tough. That tells me God doesn't compromise His Word. He said it. I believe it. It's good enough for me. How many times have we heard that? God said it. I believe it. That's good enough for me. But there's more to that when life hits you. When the truth is over here, but the circumstance beating at you is saying, come over here. But this all, as I've said, starts up here because that's where you work. Simply put, a stronghold is nothing more than incorrect thinking. Incorrect thinking that has molded itself into our way of thinking. And it is when our minds think contrary to the truth. When we begin to reason. Sometimes I wonder why God gave us the ability to reason. We reason things out. If this be this and this be this, then this. That's how we reason things out. If one and one is two, then two and two should be four. We reason things out. It's God's natural laws. But God gave us the ability to reason. But sometimes our reasoning is flawed because we don't look at the truth of God's Word and say, what does God's Word say? What does God's Word say I should do? And the thing about it is, many times when I preach a message like this, everybody says, he's got his finger up. If you notice, I'm trying not to point, because that means I'm pointing three fingers at me. <laughs> you know, or three or four fingers at me, right? And, and so I don't like to point, because we all live with it. Everybody lives with it. We live with that challenge in our lives that Satan is trying to distort our minds, take something, and turn it into it. It's how we respond in trials. Once we get this mentality, how do we respond when a trial comes into our life? Do we take and step off into this side over here, or do we step back to where God's Word says and stand firmly upon what God's Word says to do? Is it hard to be over here all of the time? If it was easy to be here, we would all be there. <laughs> it's something that we battle, but it's not a battle that we fight in our flesh. We have to realize it's a spiritual battle that we're fighting. It's the spiritual things that we have to come against, and the person that's doing it is Satan. Now, 
He does a lot of things, but where do strongholds come from? How do they even get started? How do you get strongholds into your life? Well, they come from a variety of sources, I say. I, I call them sources because it's influences is what it is. Influences that come at you is what causes you to start building up false understandings and looking at things in the wrong manner. Now, ultimately, they all come from Satan, okay, because he's the one who's trying to defeat us. But Satan doesn't always come and stare us in the face and say, well, I'm trying you on this one, and this is what I'm going to tell you this, and, and you're going to believe it. He's not that bold. He doesn't do that. He's a sly old fox. He's been doing this for 6,000 years, and he's pretty good at it. So we need to be alert to watch out what it is. So where does it come from? It can come from work. Work. You go to work every day. You go to office. Does anybody have trials and tribulations at work when you have somebody that does something they shouldn't do or something not going exactly the way? You got that person that just irritates the fool out of you sitting right next to it and you don't even want to go out of the office because you got to pass by their desk? No, I know no one ever had that problem. I had that problem. But I know no one else has ever had that problem. But just to give you an example, that does happen in some people's lives. There's things that when you get on the phone with the customer, you're in customer service. Customer's always right, even when he's wrong. They can get rather get things going inside of you and keep you where? Stirred up inside. There was a girl that used to work with me. She, she used to be, every, she'd come by my office, and she was just bouncing like a, I mean, she, boop, 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 I mean, she was going all the time. One day she ran by the day, I hollered at her, I said, hey, come in here just a minute. See what? I said, I just have to know, how do you stay so up? She says, I'm on medication. <laughs> I can tell you what I'm taking if you want to. I says, well, it's all I, I don't want to know. I'm in management. I don't really need to know what you're taking. But, but the thing about it, she was having problems dealing with it because she worked in customer service. I couldn't understand how somebody in customer service could be that, <laughs> that up. You know what I'm trying to say? Uh, and, and so, but, but you can get things that begin to get you. Uh, now, nobody's going to raise your hand, but there are many people, there are many people that bring their job home. All of the heaviness of the home, and they come home and they flop in the chair. What are we having for dinner? I really don't care. Now, I know no one's ever been that way. But if, if you know somebody that's been that way, these are things that come against us. That's life that comes against us. But see, Satan begins to take things that he knows affects us and can affect our spiritual walk and tries to put as much of it as he can on us. And once he knows what our weak points is, what does he do? He beats at those weak points. Now, the only good thing I can tell you about all this is it kind of seems negative and all that is the fact that Pastor Goodluck has been teaching us on Wednesday night how to overcome every bit of this. Okay, I'm only saying that this is things. But what it is is so many times people don't want to accept the fact that they have something that they need to defeat in their life that needs to be put aside and be able to be put down. But it come for it can come from home. It come from people all around you. Today in this day in this world, we should be surrounding ourselves with with Christian people. But do we? Many times. We surround ourselves with non-believers. 
And non-believers is bringing in all of the problems that they're going through. That even when you're sometimes you're victorious in your own life, they begin to drag you down with the things that they do. And they begin. And, and people say, "Well, how can that be a stronghold?" Because there are people that listen to it all the time. That's the part that they got to quit doing. Is they got to shut that part of it off. Because when it begins to affect you and affect what's happening to you and your victory to be able to walk, then it's something you need to shut off. They need to talk to God. They need to get their heart right with God. And if they don't want to get their heart right with God, they don't need to be badgering you and beating you down spiritually. Pray for them. Yeah, pray for them. Put your hands on them. Pray for them. I guarantee you when you want to start praying for them, they'll do one of two things. They'll either get on their knees and accept the Lord or they'll get away from you. Because people will either accept Jesus or they're going to reject, reject and they'll either accept you by accepting him or they'll reject you. And Jesus said, they rejected me, they'll reject you, they hated me, and they're going to hate you. I'm sorry, but we can't make everybody love us. We can't. Because they have to love us of their own free will. God gave everybody a choice to do that. Even parents and relatives can be used to build up these strongholds that are inside of us. And many, many, many things, evil spirits, yes, but many times all of this, Satan uses one big area to, to trip up the most people, and that is your past. I don't know why, but he wants to use our past to destroy our future. And we all know that Jesus Christ, I tell the guys in the prison so many times, because you've got to realize those are bad, a lot of these guys have been really bad guys, right? I mean, I've, I've spoke to, I had to, you know, this, this past weekend, uh, I was in services, we had 131 men that came. We had 25 men come forward for salvation and, and, and healing in, 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 the, uh, in the services. But it was, it was a, it, the thing is, I tell these guys, I said, the one thing I can tell you this is when you ask Jesus Christ to accept you, the guys all wear white, you know? In the, in the prisons, they wear white. It's not always white, but it's close to white. But anyway, they wear these things, and I said, you guys get a clean set of, of uh, clothes every two days, right? They said, yeah. I said, but you get a clean, you get a clean clothes today, and all of a sudden you go to mess hall, all of a sudden you end up dropping something, you got a stain on your shirt. How long do you have to wear that shirt? They said, for the next two days, because they don't get clean with it every two days. I said, you know, when Jesus Christ comes into your life, he takes you and puts white, clean garments on you and makes you clean that you don't have any, don't have any sin. You have absolutely nothing on you. You've got a robe that just glows in whiteness. And I said, you come up and you make a mistake and you spill something on it, you do a scene, you spin the thing on it, you can do one of two things. You can walk around for the next two days or wait until next Sunday, and when you get there next Sunday, you'll have a garment that's got all kinds of sin all over that you've done, or you can do the other, and that's get on your knees, ask God to forgive you for it, put on another clean garment. And you can do it ten times a day or a hundred times a day or whatever you need. They understand that because they sit there with stuff on their, on their clothes that's dirty. They understand that. And it's important for them to understand that, God, I said, there's nobody can change your past except one person. That's God Almighty. Because he's the one that no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you've been in your life, no matter how bad it's been, the day that you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, he wipes your sight clean, never ever to remember those things again. He said, I'll separate them as far as the east is from the west, and I'll never even think of them again. He doesn't say that Satan's going to forget about them. Doesn't say that your friends aren't going to forget about them. Doesn't say that you're not going to forget about them. But he says he will forget about them. 
But who starts bringing up past sins? Things. Satan, you start wanting to do something good for God. He said, you ain't no different. Remember how you were, blah, blah, blah. And we sit there and argue with him. Don't listen to him. He said, I, that was forgiven. God said that if I ask for forgiveness and I repent, it's done. It's under the call. These things is what Satan wants to do in our lives to tie us up, to bind us up, so that we're so that we're not able to walk in the full freedom of what God wants us to walk in. That's where God, where the Word of God is real for us. When a person has all these things happening, many times a person feels dirty, they feel guilty, they feel shameful of their past, and then they begin to think of themselves as a failure. They feel unworthy. To even have a close fellowship with the Lord. And this greatly, greatly affects their spiritual growth. Because if a person doesn't feel worthy to be able to receive something, it becomes very difficult for them to come and to ask for that which they want to. I was playing sports in, in, uh, in high school. And uh, I had a reporter come up to me after a football game, and says, uh, Larry, would you give us an interview? I said, yes. And his response was, he asked the question, why, what do you owe your, um, what do you owe the uh, uh, praise to, or what do you owe it to because of how well you performed tonight? What, what, what's, what, what, what's behind that? Why did, you know, what, what, is, what was important about that? And I said, me? I said, it's not me. And the guy says, what do you mean? You gained whatever it was, 200 yards tonight or 250 yards or whatever it was. And, and I said, I said, do you know that they seven men out there in front of me? I said, do you know what would happen if, if the quarterback said, hut, hut, and they all just stood there and I tried to run through the hole? There wouldn't be a hole there. So I owe what happened for me tonight, the yards and the touchdowns that I got tonight, to those guys over there just kneeling down over there trying to get wind because they're pooped, because they've been blowing holes open for me all night long. Because, see, when he comes at me like that, I didn't feel worthy to answer his question and say, oh, well, it's just because I'm good and fast and, you know, strong and, 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 and I'm just a good ball player. I couldn't do that. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. And I, I, my wife would tell you, that, I'm, not, I'm still that way today. I don't like taking credit for things because I, it's one of those things that I, I always like to, somebody else gets the credit. Let somebody else get the credit. I don't need the credit. Only person, the only person in this world that I'm trying to satisfy and make happy is the only person, and that's Jesus. I want him to know that I want him to do the best that he can through me. Now, does that mean I'm perfect? Like I told you, if I was pointing fingers out here about, if I was pointing tonight, I'd have more back at me than I have at you because I have my troubles and I have my trials just like you do. But it's just like, for instance, when my wife passed away many years ago, after I preached faith. I preached faith and prayed for the sick and prayed for the sick and faith. And first message I preached after, after burying her, after she died from cancer, I uh, stand over and I preached a message on faith. And after church, I walked back and somebody walked up to me and I was greeting people at the back door as they left. And someone came up to me and said, 
I just can't believe that you just preached a message on healing when you just put your wife in the ground from cancer two weeks ago. I broke my heart. I looked at that person and I said, if I preach salvation and a person leaves without Jesus Christ, do I stop preaching salvation because somebody didn't accept Jesus? If somebody comes to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and he says it's for everybody, and I pray for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we pray and they don't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, does that mean I stop preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I still serve a God who heals. I still serve a God that said if you call upon him that he would heal us, he says he would heal me. He said he'd give me the desires of my heart. I'm sorry, but yes, I'll preach faith. And to be honest with you, I'll probably preach it again next week. Why? Because God's word is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. People try to change God. This society today are trying to change God. The world today is trying to make us accept them. They're trying to make us accept their way of life. The way that they say things are supposed to be. Satan is talking to people in the church today saying, you don't have to live a life of holiness. You can drag, you can partake of these parts of the world and take these things and carry them with you. That's a lie out of the pits of hell. And those things will drag you down. It's like taking a ball and chain and locking it around your leg and saying, run. You can't run with a ball and chain around you. And that's what you're doing. When you tie the things of the world onto you, it slows you down and stops your progress from going forward. You're either standing still or going backwards. God, nothing in God stands still and goes backwards. It always goes forward. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. I got to get going here. Only got 12 more pages, but I only got three minutes. So that's an exaggeration. That's evangelistically speaking, of course. But anyway, strongholds play big parts in our lives. But what are they? What are some of the strongholds? There are many of them. Many people that feel facts of worthiness. People who get stuck up with anger becomes that which they can't control. And they, because they can't get that anger under control, and they, they, they don't feel like it. They just, I, that's just something I was born. You know, my father was angry. My grandfather before him was angry. Or my, my, father was, my grandfather was a drunk. You know, he was an hour. My, my mother was an alcoholic or a dope addict or whatever. I, can't, I talk to these guys in prison about that all the time. I said, we've got to break those things. Those generational curses, we can break those things. Generational curses. I showed, shared with them soul ties this week. Man, I thought those guys were going to go crazy when I was talking about all, especially when I only used an example of two of them having extramarital regular, so let's use that you, you know, slept with another person twice, and all of them, you know, they all wanted to brag, but whatever the case might be. But anyway, there are many things out there. Unforgiveness, discouragement, despair, rejection, many family issues that comes, that causes you to be able to get away from it. Marriage conflicts. God, Satan comes into a home and into a marriage and begins to put things in those homes and in the hearts of one or the other that they become an immovable object. A stronghold that has to be broken. Because what did God say? He said to love. To love. Love conquers it all. Well, you just don't understand. I understand this, that Satan wants to put something besides love in the home so he can tear it apart. He puts a wedge between two people to put what he can to drive them apart. 
is God wants us to keep things together. But all of these things many times are strongholds in our lives because we can't give up and say, I submit to you, Father. I submit to you, Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, these strongholds, they're there. We think, if some people, it works on how they, how they feel. In other words, if they think they're a failure, they feel like a failure. If they think they're hopeless, they feel hopeless. If you know that you're forgiven and you really know that you're forgiven and you're clean inside, you should be able to walk victorious. But many times we don't. I had a coach tell me one time I was pushing a sled and we had a concrete wall around our field where we practiced. And we had a two-man sled and I was pushing it and I was driving it and I got to the wall and it hit the wall. Well, as soon as it hit the wall, boom, I rolled off of it, got up. My coach came over to me. He said, did I blow the whistle? I said, no, sir. He said, why would you stop? I said, I ran into the wall. He says, I don't care if you run into the wall. You keep digging until I tell you to stop. Now get back on that sled and push that sled. I got down. He said, beep. He blew it. I hit that thing and I stood it up and I just turned my feet. And I turned my feet. I knew in my head I was not going to push that sled through that concrete wall. But you can be assured, I knew that if I stopped trying to push it through that wall, I was going to be running laps all afternoon. Okay? Many times we feel like we're up against a wall. But don't stop. Keep pushing forward with the Word of God, speaking the Word of God, speaking to that problem that you have, speaking to that stronghold inside of you, and get your deliverance and your victory in it. Because as Pastor Goodluck said, he was the I Am of the Old Testament. He was the I Am in Jesus' day. And he's either the I Am for you or the I Was. I prefer to trust in the I am than the one that was the I was because I was means he doesn't have it anymore. Somebody asked me, said, hey, you used to, you, did you play football with blah, 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 blah? I said, I sure did. I'm one of them I was because I am an I was. Because if I went out there today, even though in my head I know what to do, I know how to run the play, I know how to carry a ball, and I know how to make impact. The only difference is back when I was young, when I made the impact, it hurt them as much as it hurt me. If I did it today, even though I, in, my, in my mind I can do it, if I did it today, they'd break me in half. Why? Because I'm not up to that challenge today, right? But the thing about it is, the one thing I like about serving Jesus is the older I get, the stronger I I am. Why? Because the more battles I've gone through, the more victories I've gone through, the stronger I am and the better I have the next opportunity for battle comes, I know that I have more weapons than I had 25 years ago. I have more weapons available now than I had then. So what does that mean? Realize this, folks. You may be going through the battle of your life but believe me, you're stronger now than you were yesterday, and tomorrow you'll be stronger than you were yesterday. Today, Tomorrow you'll be stronger than you are today. God's Word says that we have the ability, and we need to take our mind and get it in control of what God wants it to be. In Philippians 
the fourth chapter and eighth verse, it says, Finally, my brethren, what things soever are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. He was trying to say, begin to change what you think about. Begin to think about the positive things. Begin to think about your victories and quit looking at your circumstances. Many times people say, well, I need to tell God what the problem is. He already knows. Many times people spend 20 minutes telling God what their problems are and five minutes asking God to help them with it or speaking the Word. We need to spend more time Speaking the word, as Pastor Goodluck says, it's the word that puts people, it is the word that puts us to flight. It's put what puts Satan to flight. And the way to overcome it is through speaking those good things. Take care, says it doesn't matter if a stronghold comes from superstitions, belief, addictions, wrong thoughts, despair over losses that you've made in your life. It doesn't matter because don't let it consume your emotional strength and your mental strength in your life. Because mental anguish, tears at your body more so than physical does. And if you don't believe it, you take a person that goes out and works physical work all day long, can come home, go take a hot shower, get ready, go out next day, and in a few minutes they're fine. You take somebody that's been working at a computer all day and been stressed all in their mind all day long, they can take a dozen showers. When they come out of that shower, they're exhausted. Why? Because that working of that stress and so forth in your life can take wear a heavy tear upon your life. I'll leave you, I'll skip all the way down to the last page here. I'll leave you with this. Ephesians 6, 17. How do you do it? You take on the helmet of salvation, but and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God gave us one offensive weapon out of all that He gave us, and that's the Word of God. The Word of God. Begin to speak the Word of God in the circumstances and the strongholds in your life, and God will Help you defeat that which is in you and make you more free than you've ever been. There's nothing that the Word of God can't destroy and there's nothing that it can overcome you through Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your Word. We thank you, Lord, because your Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathways. God, I pray right now, Lord, for this group, Lord, as we close tonight. God, that you would take and take the words that have gone forth. Lord, I know that they've heard these words before, but God, I pray that something that they heard tonight will help them, Lord, to be able to walk in that victory, Lord, that you want them to walk in. To let them know that, Lord, that they've asked God to forgive. They've asked you to forgive them, Lord, that all their past is forgiven. Never, never to be brought up again by you. Lord, when Satan comes and begins to torment them in their mind, God, to let them speak right then. Say, I bring that thought into obedience. I am forgiven in the name of Jesus. And I have been made worthy to receive all of the promises of God. And God's word is yes and amen. God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. And I thank you, Lord, for what you've given. I give you all the honor, all the glory, all the praise, Lord, for that which has been accomplished in you tonight. May your word, Lord, penetrate our hearts and may it go with us. God, I pray that you go with us as we go to our homes. God, bring us back, God, at the next appointed time. And Lord, be with us. Keep us safe and keep us from harm. In Jesus' name.
Amen. God bless you as you go. Thank you, Jesus.